Hi, everyone. I'm Michael, and I'm a food addict. I'm grateful to uh, have this opportunity. I am uh, grateful for the people who are uh, doing service this morning and uh, making this possible. I, uh, too, look forward to seeing everyone in person. I think it'll be better, but uh, this is pretty good, too. Uh, I've been in program. Uh, someone noticed, uh, and so did I, that uh, in our poll, 16% uh, were uh, less than a year and 17% were more than 35. And those were the two largest uh, groups. Uh, I'm in the latter category. I came to my first meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, sometime in, after 1985, maybe 86, maybe, maybe 87. I wish I knew the date, <clears throat> but I didn't realize it was gonna be one of the most important things I'd ever done. I went to that first meeting uh, with uh, a friend who I asked to accompany me because I didn't wanna go alone. And when we came out, she said, do you think that can happen for you? What the people said happened for them? And I said, oh no, that'll never happen. Uh, and uh, I was wrong. Uh, I'm maintaining a 160-pound uh, weight loss for uh, a very long time, decades, decades. I know that uh, uh, 31 years ago yesterday, I went into rehab for food. Um, and uh, you know, so I consider that my rebirth day. I had been coming to meetings before that. Uh, let me start, go back a little bit. I came into program uh, unwillingly. I had a nutrition, excuse me, I had a uh, therapist. And one of the things I liked about this guy is that he didn't have to fix me. He was, uh, he was just trying to find the, the ways, the places he could send me um, where I might get better. So he uh, started working on me. I think you should go to a meeting. You know, I didn't know about food addiction. I didn't know about Overeaters Anonymous. I had heard of AA, but it was for other people. And um, he kept at it. So uh, finally, I went to a meeting, that one I told you about in West Hartford, Connecticut, the Red Cross. And sorry, I'm going to get rid of the chat. It's distracting me. Can I do that? Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, whatever. Uh, the, uh, so I went back to my therapist and I said, uh, okay, I've been to a meeting. Are you happy? And he said, uh, yeah, yeah. How about another one? And that's what he started. Uh, I did not want to be a food addict. I did, you know, I wasn't convinced that the food addiction existed, uh, but I was well over 300 pounds. And the fact of my size was a controlling factor in my life. There's no doubt about that. Uh, try not to speak in absolutes, like it was the most important thing or anything like that. But uh, I was heavy from a young age and uh, it definitely infused all my relationships. I was made fun of as a kid. 
which I know many of us can relate to. Uh, I went to a 20 year high school reunion, which for me is quite a while ago now. Uh, and uh, two people came up and apologized. Uh, so it wasn't just in my head. It was also in my head, but uh, it, it was it was a real thing. <sighs> so, uh, as I say, I was uh, um, heavy from a young age, and uh, in uh, high school, I became a patient. The only time I've ever uh, been a patient of a diet doctor, I became a patient of Dr. Atkins, the one you've heard of. I grew up in uh, uh, Marblehead, Massachusetts. And through a family connection, I got in to see him because I was told at the time that if you just called up his office, it would take more than a year to get an appointment. Um, but my parents, who really didn't know what to do with their one fat kid, there were three of us, and they tried. They tried uh, a lot to uh, help me. They didn't really know how, and I certainly don't blame them for that. Uh, but Family Fred said, we can get you in to see Dr. Atkins. Do you want to do it? And they said, sure. And they got me out. Of, I got out of school and they put me on a plane and I took a cab into uh, Manhattan and didn't have to go to school. That was pretty cool. And on that diet, I lost 135 pounds, 132 and a half pounds from 332 and a half to 200. The problem was that uh, I had a bigger problem than just eating. I thought that was my problem. I thought that if I could lose weight, all my problems would be solved. And what I discovered that time is that when I lost 132 pounds, I was still who I was. But I had expectations now that things would get better. And they didn't. They didn't. So, uh, so eventually, you know, before too long, I started gaining it back. Later on, I went back on that diet and uh, lost 100, not, without the doctor this time, and I lost another 130 pounds, and then I gained it back. Altogether, I've lost more than 500 pounds in my life. Now, of course, I didn't come out of the womb at 700. Uh, so to achieve that, you know, even the, the word achieve, it's not an achievement. Uh, to, have, to need to lose that, that much weight, um, you know, speaks to uh, what was going on in my life. And then to need to do it several times uh, made it even worse, um, less of an accomplishment. So the way I ended up in program is that I had a, uh, I was at work and boss called me into the office and said, uh, some of your friends on the copy desk think that you're unhappy and they think it would be really good uh, if you got some help, but they also thought that if they told you, you'd, you'd just get angry at them and, uh, um, and not do anything. So they asked me to talk to you. And what he said to me was is that uh, I have gotten therapy and I really think you'd be happier if you, if you considered to do that. I'm really grateful that uh, he did that. And uh, uh, 
eventually I ended up with a therapist again in West Hartford, Connecticut, who, um, as I said, didn't need to fix me by himself. He just needed to put me in the right places. So he sent me to a meeting and I was doing that for a while and he saw that I wasn't really changing. So then he suggested I go to rehab. And as I said, I went October 21st, 1991 and I was in for nine weeks with a different era in healthcare. And uh, just amazing. Uh, uh, the company held my job, they paid my salary and uh, um, paid for 80% of the, the treatment and the hospital waived the other 20%. So I was you know, able to do this thing. One thing that this rehab did is they uh, had a meeting every day and everyone went. So nine weeks is 63 days. So I did 63 and 63 without even realizing. When I got out, they said, uh, made several suggestions, one of which was they thought I should do 90 and 90. Uh, I didn't, I ended up doing 86 and 90. And that turned out to be the perfect number. I mean, other numbers would have been perfect as well, but my point is, is that um, I was never not at a meeting during that time when I didn't have to be somewhere else. One time I had a work late, one time I had a doctor's appointment, that kind of thing. Uh, Michael, dear, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but France, we're having a little trouble hearing you. It seems to be muffly or cutting in and out. Is there an adjustment you could make? Is your connection good? Try talking so our French listeners can hear, see what, what you sound like now. Maybe a little louder. Let's hear from our French friends. Franz, tell them to put something in the chat if they hear you better now. Okay, looks like it's good now. Michael, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Please continue. No worries. Thank you for your service, Sandy. Uh, so, um, I want to make sure before I'm done that I talk about higher power and about the steps. <clears throat> and there's a reason for that. After I got out of rehab, I did 90 and 90. It became known in the community in, uh, in Hartford. Um, and I was, of course, losing weight. And uh, when you start out at 365, uh, you can lose a lot of weight and still have a lot of weight to go. Anyway, uh, so I was a 100-pound loser. I was, and even then after that, when I came up to uh, uh, Greater Boston, where I live now, I would get asked often to uh, qualify because I was a 100-pound loser. I must be really hot shit. And I would you know, speak by 15 minutes. And I'd get to like 14 and a half and because I didn't want to leave anything on the table because I got to have every single thing that I've got coming to me. Um, I would think, well, what else can I talk about? Oh yeah, the steps. And that was a perfect reflection of my program, which is to say the steps were an afterthought. And if I, another time it might be, oh, higher power, an afterthought. Uh, so I will always make sure, you know, I have like this, people have heard me speak, will know, have heard this. I want to make sure I talk about these two things because I didn't. And to me, they are the program. I had a friend in program who said she had given up all flour except for pasta. 
which is funny to me because pasta is nothing more than flour and water and a little oil. Um, and the reason I bring that up is that uh, my program was, you know, had a lot going for it except for higher power. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. If there's no higher power, uh, there's not much. And, you know, it was hard for me. I came in, first of all, I'm a recovering know-it-all and um, I, 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 I do a lot of service. So I know a lot of people in the room and uh, I'm sure they know that I'm a recovering know-it-all and that I still have more recovery to do. Um, I forget what I was uh, going to there. So anyway, uh, oh, I came in uh, uh, not willing and completely, well, militantly, arrogantly confused about higher power. I thought that God was a jerk and that he didn't exist. Forgive my use of male pronouns and all that. It just, I don't, that's how I have expressed it. Um, there's a fallacy in what I, in my uh, position. You can't be anything if you don't exist. So I was confused, but I was really passionate about my position nevertheless. And that was a very big uh, impediment to my making progress in the program. Uh, when I started out with the steps, the first step was easy. You know, my life was unmanageable. I was in my late 20s. I had never had a girlfriend. I had been uh, promoted to a very high position, number three in the company. Well, not in my company, but in the my side of the company. Uh, and uh, then I got demoted because the rap on me was, yeah, you can do the job, but then you got to talk to him. Still have a little sadness about that, but uh, you know, my path is my path. But my life was unmanageable, it wasn't turning out the way I wanted to. Uh, so that was easy. And then um, uh, did I think that there was a power greater than me? Well, clearly I couldn't fly and I couldn't uh, make people do the things I wanted them to do. So uh, I wasn't very powerful. So could there be anything else that was more powerful? Well, absolutely. Didn't know what it was, but I knew I wasn't it. Um, but I had trouble on three, um, turning my will and my life over to the power of God as I understood him. I, I didn't understand him well enough to, uh, I just, it just made no sense to me. And I'm a proven to me intellectual, not to my benefit. You know. And if I could understand it, fine, I'd do it. But if it didn't make sense to me, if it didn't track logically, then I rejected it. And one change that's happened as a result of the program is that now I understand what paradox is. And, and whereas before I'd say, look at that, that makes no sense, it can't be real. And now I am uh, more likely to look at, look at something and say, well, look at that. That makes no sense. However, there's a reason that I should do it anyway. I look at prayer that way. I think prayer makes no sense at all. I do not think there is a white beard in the heavens sitting by the phone waiting for me to get on my knees in the morning uh, and tell him what I need. And that makes no sense on several grounds. I won't go into it. Uh, but what I missed was that millions of people 
for thousands of years had engaged in prayer and either they were all idiots or they understood something that I didn't understand. And the paradox for me is I absolutely to this day do not think prayer makes sense. And yet I get on my knees almost every morning, I'm not perfect. Uh, and uh, I know what I'm asking for and it has an effect on my life. If, you know, I don't ask for myself unless it would help another and that's an ethic that I got from program. Um, I uh, ask for help in my relationships with my family. And at times over the years, it's become, you know, rote, but I now try to pause and think about, you know, my ex-wife and my son, my brother and his wife, my sister and her husband, and then their kids. And uh, then there's a group of friends I have in the neighborhood. And I, I, I think about the boys and I think about their wives and their children. Um, and in the last, I don't know, six months or so, the, uh, the next thing I pray for is to be filled to overflowing with God's love so that I can't help but share it with every living being that I come in contact with. And I can't tell you how much meaning that has for me. You know, when I can, uh, there was a time earlier in my life where I tried to, in programs, where I tried to train myself to smile whenever, whenever anybody looked at me. And what this experience has showed me is that I was trying I wanted to be a smiley person. I wanted to be um, warm, to be seen as warm. But it was just a facade. If it was just going to be a facade, a reaction rather than reflecting what was inside, it really wasn't going to do what I wanted it to do. And uh, now, you know, there have been many times in my life when I have been thinking back on an encounter, thinking, um, I wish I hadn't been so mean or so disagreeable or whatever. Many, you know, thousands. But uh, rarely do I think, I wish I hadn't been as loving. You know, it just, you know, we're told to seek uh, God's will for each of us. And uh, I couldn't, you know, I, there are times I don't know what God's will is for me. But I picked up somewhere along the way, it's not an original thought, that God is equal to love. So if I don't know what God would have me do, I can think of what would love have me do. And to be more loving in the world, it just, uh, for me so far, it's never been wrong. And so it's a really good guideline for me. Um, I was stuck on step three because I couldn't turn my will in my life over to something that I didn't think existed and I didn't think would, um, um, you know, it's like I, I had this mind thought of uh, uh, yesterday I came up to the precipice and I decided not to jump because I thought nothing's going to save me and I'll just die. Why would I do that? And then the next day I'm going to think I will be captured in the arms of God. I'll take the leap. Just made so little sense to me. And I was stuck in making sense. Um, 
So my first sponsor, I don't remember his name, but uh, I definitely remember the help that he gave me. Uh, he eventually told me that uh, doing four through nine was evidence of step three. And I thought that was bullshit. I thought he was manipulating me, telling me something to just get me to do the work. And amazingly, because you can't tell me what to do, that's where I come from. Uh, I did it anyway. And I embarked on my first four step. Um, so this, uh, you know, I did fourth and fifth steps over the years four or five times. But until 2000, I didn't really complete the steps. Go back a little bit. Before I came in a program, I was heavy. And then I went on a diet. Once in a while, I've told you about two of them. And that was not recovery. But it was better. It was like a continuum. Losing weight was better than not losing weight. Um, and then I came into program and I considered what I was doing back then as an aided diet. I had fellowship. I got to hear the ideas of other people in their experiences that I could apply to my life. And again, I was still thinking about it. Oh, that makes sense. I think I'll try that. Um, but I wasn't involved in the program of recovery. So there's not dieting, there's dieting, there's aided dieting, but none of those are recovery. And, uh, you know, I, I said earlier, I would say, oh yeah, the steps. Because I had never completed the steps and gotten to 10, 11, and 12. And in 2000, now that's, you know, more than 10 years after I came into program. So the, for the first 10 years in program, I wasn't in program. I was showing up to meetings. I was calling a sponsor occasionally uh, 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 for periods of time I had a sponsor. Um, people were calling me as a sponsor, never profitably for either of us, I don't think, uh, a little bit, but uh, not in the way I understand sponsorship today. Um, lost my train of thought. Um, I know I was talking about the steps, got me to do four through nine, but I never completed it. So in 2000, I uh, noticed for once, oh yeah, during this 10 years, I was never not a hundred pound loser. Because when you've lost 160 pounds, you can gain 60 pounds and still be a hundred pound loser. But my weight was going up and down. Uh, and I wasn't in recovery, I was coming to meetings. Um, lost my train of thought again. I didn't prepare for this because whoever prepares for their qualifications, but uh, anyway. Um, this is, the, you know, I'm 65 years old. This uh, beginning to happen. Good thing I didn't wait another five years to uh, ask to speak. Anyway, uh, in, in 2000, I decided much to uh, 
the opposite of what I tried to do in the past, which was find sponsors who would uh, fix me, but not tell me to change anything. You know, it's like I wanted the benefits of uh, losing weight without actually doing the weight. I wanted the benefits of recovery without actually making any changes. But in 2000, I decided I was going to seek out uh, uh, a real hard ass and uh, do whatever he said. Um, still, uh, you can't prove it to me. You, you can't make me do things kind of person. So that didn't work out uh, eventually. But I embarked on this. Uh, I, I found a sponsor in the big book step study process. And, and this has made a big difference in my life. And uh, we met and I told him, I don't think I'm going to do this. But if I were, what's the one thing you would have me do? And this was different from the, one, from the way I had uh, approached things. You know, I, uh, first time someone told me about the steps, I didn't like a couple of them. And they weren't the first ones, but I didn't like a couple of them. So I didn't want to go down that road. I was looking ahead. I was judging. I was thinking, no, that's not going to work for me when I get there. So I'm just not going to do it. And this time, and, you know, I don't know, wisdom gained from coming to meetings, you know, because even while I wasn't working it, it was working me. Um, I said, if you would have, you know, what's the first thing you would have me do? And he gave me some reading. I said, well, I don't know if I'll do that, but that doesn't sound too hard. If I do it, I'll let you. So I did it. And I called him up. And we met again. I said, okay, I did that. I'm not saying I'm willing to do this process, but if I did, what's the next thing you would have me do? And, you know, that's a form of surrender. It's not making any commitments. It's not, uh, you know, arranging the future. It's saying, what do you want me to do next? And uh, my life started to transform. And the weight loss became more reliable. And I became a little less of a know-it-all and a little less of an asshole. And um, and I started writing uh, and uh, eventually. And on my fourth step this time, I had more than 400 people. Now that's not 400 resentments because some of them had several resentments. And then of course there were institutions and principles. Um, but I did that work. And then uh, by then I had parted with my sponsor. I, there were times, it took me six years don't take six years if you can possibly avoid it. This is my path. My path got me to where I am. It's, you know, I accept largely. But also, I would not recommend that. There were times when I had a falling out and, uh, uh, and I would just stop at, uh, writing. And uh, a very, in my opinion, learned friend and program told me that was the equivalent of getting up off the table in the middle of the operation. Uh, I had another friend who was going through that process and he decided at one point to go to a retreat, uh, not a retreat, not as we know it, but a retreat house where he could, you know, no distractions. And he just wrote out the whole weekend and he was done. I think that's a better approach. You know, take as long as you need to take while knowing that it's actually a good thing. It's actually going to turn out to help. So why not get to it sooner? Then later. But that's not what my path was. So it took me six years between uh, the first meeting and when I completed reading my fifth step. 
Um, I will say that as a result of uh, the big book step study process, uh, this is an outside issue. I just for contrast, I'll say that in most ways, I'm a typical Massachusetts left. It doesn't matter. The reason I mention it is that on the steps, I'm a fundamentalist. And by that, I mean that I, I, I don't know about the origins of the book. We know that uh, uh, Bill and Bob wrote it. We know it was edited um, by a group of their peers in the, uh, in the 30s and 40s. And of course, they were in our fourth they're in their fourth edition now. Um, I don't know if it was divinely inspired. I don't know anything else about that. Um, Sorry, I just saw a, a chat that distracted me. Um, I guess I'd like to address it. You know, at the Big Book Step Study meetings I go to, uh, they are listed as, uh, they are registered OA meetings. Uh, there are no requirements for abstinence or uh, anything. They have the same requirements of any other meeting. Uh, there is a portion of the meeting that anyone is allowed to speak, anyone who attends the meeting. Um, and uh, I still, when I started going, uh, I was going to AA meetings because there weren't, weren't any in OA. But now I can go to meetings where there'll be 15 people in the room and they've all been through the process. Uh, and there's a, you know, a deep well of recovery. So, uh, you know, I definitely endorse it. It's just a way of working the steps. And it was the way that got me to work the steps. Uh, I don't know what I was saying beforehand, but uh, in this process, I got through uh, step nine and uh, still work every day in 10, 11, and 12. I know how to do a turnaround. And I know I can bring that to bear. Michael, that's five minutes. Got it, Jody. Thank you. Uh, and bring it to bear in all parts of my uh, my life. Um, I uh, do want to say about the ninth step that uh, that was the one that made a palpable difference in my life. By the time I got through all that writing, I had uh, 52 people on my list. My sponsor told me, to make three lists, people I would make amends to, people I couldn't make amends to, but would if I could find them, and people that I didn't want to make amends to. There were only two, I was lucky. There were only two on that list, the last list. And like so much else in program, I never really decided. Or what I want to say is I never, just by doing the process, I became willing to do those. And, and by the time I got, you know, got to that point, I, it, it wasn't a fight at all because I had been through other things and I had learned about the process and experienced things and changed. You know, I, I love the metaphor of the 12 steps. If you think of it in a literal way, when you go up a 12 step flight of stairs and you go from the floor to the first step and you look out at the room you're in or the place you're in, uh, your view has not really changed. A little bit, but 
you know, you can see basically the same things. But by the time you get to the middle of the staircase, uh, you can see the cobwebs that are hanging from the dirty ceiling, if, if that's the case. And your view really has started to change. And by the time you get to complete the 12 step, uh, you can't see anything that you could see before because everything has changed. And, you know, I, I talked earlier about how the first time I heard the steps, I, I, I heard of a couple that I didn't want to do. Uh, what I would say to anybody is that uh, I did not know this was going to happen. But here's the thing about change. Is that when you change something, you are changed. And, you know, I couldn't necessarily perceive every change. Other people could see it in me before I could and all that kind of stuff. But by the time I, just like by the time I got to into the nine step process and I, all of a sudden I was changed and I was willing to make amends to those people. Whereas before I just didn't want to do it. Uh, and the same thing with the steps. By the time I got to those steps that I didn't want to do, I was different because I had been willing to do previous things. And, um, By the time I got there, they weren't the chore, they weren't the, I didn't have the aversion that I thought that I had begun with. And, uh, you know, uh, I started to talk about uh, the fundamentalism that I, that I, you know, if the book says, here's an example. In the big book, after step five, it says, having completed reading, we go home, we take the book off the shelf and we sit for an hour. And that's where they say, you know, have we made a, uh, sorry. Have we made uh, um, mortar without sand? And so if the book says that when you're done reading, you go home and you sit for an hour and you reflect, then I did that. That's what it said to do. I'm not saying anything about this. Style. I'm not saying that everybody in the world who's heavy uh, needs to do the 12 steps. It, it ended up being what I, I did, but I'm not saying that you have to. That Everyone has to. What I'm saying is, is that once I came into the room and I found that other people had what I wanted and I asked them, how did you achieve that? Then I couldn't expect that I was going to get what they had achieved if I didn't do what they said they had done. So one minute. One minute. So when it, uh, the book says, do this, then I did this. You know, I didn't like uh, uh, in step four, you know, there's columns and uh, there are six or seven things, depending on how you count it, for the right hand, it affects my uh, uh, financial security, et cetera, my self-esteem. And you're supposed to put in every time self-esteem bracketed fear. And I told my sponsor, well, that's not always true for me. So that's okay. I hear you. It's not always true for you. Just do it. And, you know, that was part of the surrender is that I, I didn't have to figure out what was right for me. I just had to do what I was told. And if the book says to do it, I do it. You know, I can't say I'm in a 12-step program if I'm not working the steps. And I can't really work the steps if I'm not engaging with a higher power. That's time. So my last words were higher power. That'll do. Thanks very much for letting me share. You're muted, darling. Oh, it's my turn to it's my turn to thank Michael. 
Karen, are you moderating this next part or is Chuck? We're both going to do it. We're going to do something different. Oh, I'm excited now. Okay. So put the three of us up there. Okay. All right. I just so, wanna, um, um, hang on, Karen. Hang on one second. I just want to, I'm just thanking Michael. Okay. So Michael's cool. somebody I've, I've gotten to know uh, by doing service. We've been serving on committees together over the years. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for your message. Thank you very much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us this morning. And now we are going to go into the Q&A time. So, Karen, let's just check in with Michael and Franz. Mm-hmm. I think we've worn Franz, Franz down to the bone. What stamina, what endurance. Michael, Michael W., are you ready to take over, my dear? Give me a thumbs up. Okay, great. Thank All right, you, Franz, you can turn your camera off and hydrate. God bless you. Okay, here we go. Go right ahead, Karen and Chuck. Are we, oh, I don't see just the three of us on the screen. Is that because I'm not on speaker view? Ah, okay. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Chuck, do you want to do the first one? I sure will. Um, So first of all, Michael, thank you very much. Um, And I, like like Karen mentioned, uh, see you at service events and I see you at conventions and uh, uh, you make me smile. So thank you. Um, so, uh, first question um, is: In what area of your life do you see the biggest change? Well, uh, you know, I'm much less of an asshole. That's, you know, all those things I talked about: uh, uh, know it all, and you can't show me, and um, you know, I said I didn't. I thought that I didn't have friends or a good social life or a girlfriend uh, because I was fat. And certainly being fat did not help those things. But I saw other people who had weight on them and they didn't have those problems. And I saw in my own life when I lost weight, it didn't make my life better. Uh, It did make it better. It did. The weight, you know, it's glib of me at times to say it's not about the weight because it's only not about the weight once the weight's gone. You know, there's so much more, though. But, you know, surrender, willingness to listen to other people instead of thinking I knew better. You can't tell me. And uh, as I say, um, they're ingrained, but there's so much less. You know, I'm, you know, I am, you know, I am a more loving person. And I don't say that in any kind of boastful way. I'm grateful. Really, really, I'm grateful that I I go through the world with making far fewer ripples. And that's, you know, that's my answer. Thanks, Mary. Uh, the next question, what is the 10th step turnaround that you mentioned? I don't think I did mention that. I said I live in 10, 10 11, and 12. Uh, and I, oh, oh, uh, yes, a turnaround. Well, a turnaround is something you do in uh, um, as part of the fourth step. And 
essentially, it's looking at anything I had to complain about and seeing where we, what was my part of it. And that was, there was a lot of gold there. Uh, uh, let me see if I can think of an example. You know, when I said somebody had wronged me, well, I was putting them in the position of controlling my emotions. You know, bad things happen to everyone. Uh, and we have, a, we have an option how we're going to react. For me, it wasn't a reaction. I mean, it wasn't an option, it was a reaction. And as soon as, you know, a girl I was trying to woo uh, turned me down, well, I was... I was going to eat. I deserved it. Can you believe how badly they treated me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, um, you know, while I was, you know, I, I was making her, you know, I was giving her a position of responsibility in my life that she never asked for. It wasn't fair to her. If I thought of it the reverse, I wouldn't have liked it being put in that position myself. So that's what the turnaround is. What was my part in it? And, um, I can use that subset of step four whenever I want. If I have a, a reaction to, I don't do this much anymore, but a reaction to, I used to flip people off in other cars and stuff like that. Um, Time. Or, <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, I'll stop there. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Um, and please keep, keep the questions uh, coming. Um, can you talk a little bit about your sponsor and your relationship with him? Yes. <clears throat> uh, my, uh, I think of Margaret Ann, who many of you know, uh, who told me all about service and modeled for me service. Um, and uh, as you know, when I don't know what to do, I go to Margaret Ann. Now we talk often, not, not that often enough. We uh, text and talk about getting, taking a walk together and then never, it never happens. But, uh, but, you know, we are close and I can rely on her. If I don't know what to do, I can call and I don't never ask her to tell me what to do, you know, because that's not her role. But I can ask her what, she thinks she would do if she were in my position. And that makes it a lot easier for me to uh, accept what she's saying, because she's not saying you should do this and then I'm uh, get my back up and I can't, you can't make me do anything. Uh, but I also know that uh, you know, I can trust in her and that she's not gonna try to manipulate me or try to make a fool of me or, you know, and so she's, you know, Whatever she says, by now it's like, you know, even if I don't think it's right, you know, I'll discuss it with it, right for me. I'll discuss it with her and we'll get further into why I have that reaction, why maybe it isn't. But, um, you know, I benefit a great deal just from having been in contact with her and having her as a resource. Uh, I also rely on a sponsee I've had. Mike C for, I don't know, last time we looked, it was 12 years. So it's probably 15 or something like that. 
uh, and uh, I'm supposed, you know, by title, I'm his sponsor, but, you know, he helps me as much as I help him, and there's no doubt about that. You know, Co-sponsors, and then we don't deal with time uh, terms like that. But um, um, there's my answer. Thank you. So <clears throat> there's lots of different questions here. Um, was there anything in your life that happened that was a turnaround point when it dawned on you that you had to change and or follow the program? Uh, in the big book, uh, you know, the varieties of religious experience, uh, and I, it's an, ad, uh, what's the addendum? It's not that, it's not the right word. Uh, something extra in the back. The appendix? Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they talk about how, uh, you know, if you read the big book and the experience of the uh, early uh, members, a lot of them, you know, uh, I was struck by this thought and I tumbled out of bed. Who are you to think that uh, you know better than God? And they went to, they, I think my impression from reading the, uh, this part in the back um, Sorry, these uh, the chats are just distracting me. Uh, Chuck, what was I saying? Speaking about the appendix in the back. Right, right, right. Uh, that there is there is more than one kind of religious, well, spiritual experience. And so for me, it wasn't an epiphany. I didn't tumble out of bed. It was a very slow uh, growth over time. You know, that first sponsor who said, well, just do four through nine. That's evidence of step three. Uh, well, I just could not knuckle under, again, same attitude uh, to um, this idea of a higher power. But And now I get on my knees every morning. I'm very likely to say throughout the day, please, God, help me. Uh, you know, God bless you. Uh, just, you know, they're a part of my life. So I went from here to there. But it wasn't, I, I can't say it happened on January 21st or something like that. It just... Uh, was uh, spiritual growth, um, you know, and uh, also I described how my my therapist, you know, sent me to a meeting, and then he sent me to rehab, and rehab they sent me to sixty three meetings, and then ninety and ninety. It was all these things one after another that uh, finally beat me down, and I and I say that in a nice way, which is rare for that phrase, but you know, I was a tough case. I did. You could not tell me, and now I listen to you. Thank Thanks. you. Um, we have a question about how did you ever get motivated to stop compulsive overeating and then get out of bed and begin living life? Same answer, really. Same answer. I got put in a path, and uh, you know, I was both militant and arrogant and listening. And that really is, that's, you know, not uncommon for me where I'd have a, a thing where you can't, and then I'd go later, like, well, maybe, maybe that could work until I'd incorporate it and I'd see some benefit from it. And so I'd start making it my own, even after I said, you can't make me do that. Um, uh, and it was just, you know, I'd go to meetings uh, in, in, in that uh, institution um, I don't know why I'm, I thought of this. I, I think it's responsive to the question. 
uh, I remember complaining. I, I noticed that uh, whenever I'd go into the room, uh, the meeting room, uh, no one would sit next to me. And I complained one day, nobody ever sits next to me. And somebody said, well, that means you don't sit. If you're sitting with an empty chair on both sides, you're not sitting next to them. You know, and so I learned, oh, that's how I do it. I don't want them. Uh, I want them to do something I'm not willing to do. And that's been true again and again and again. So just showing up a little bit at a time, aware of my surroundings and um, seeing, oh yeah, well, that works better. And the more I do that, the more likely, the less time it takes for me to accept that, oh yeah, that's better. So the educational variety, not the multiply. Thanks, Michael. Um, <clears throat> could you please talk about parenting and how your program has influenced it? Oh, my God. Uh, as I said, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 36. I didn't get married until I was 46. I didn't have a child until I was 52. And I didn't want to do that. I was sure I didn't want to be a parent. I had my reasons. They weren't good ones. Um, but I'll tell you that if I had somehow stumbled into marriage and parenthood in my earlier years, the more traditional timing of the 20s, 30s, or 40s, I would have been a shit parent. I wouldn't have modeled love. I wouldn't have uh, listened. I would have insisted on being listened to. And uh, so it's just, and then, like I said, I didn't want to be a parent. I met a woman uh, who was on a mission to be a parent. And she said on our third date, listen, three dates, we might have something here. Uh, I want to know right now if you're willing to have kids because I don't, want, I don't have time to waste. Um, and so I became a, a father, you know, not comfortably and I didn't really want to do it. And I didn't have that bolt of lightning I've heard many people describe. They put the baby in your arms and think, oh, so this is what it's like. But I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any of that, um, but uh, you know, this is an, you know, a great example of how you know just getting on the train and following love takes you where you don't expect to go. Uh, my wife, ex-wife, and I are divorced, uh, and my son, that uh, you know, um, is the most important thing in my life. That entity that I didn't want to have, and it, 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 this is literal. I was trying to think when I was in this position, okay, I said I'd be a dad and now she really means it. And, uh, you know, and I did have the thought, what would love have me do? And I knew that I was in love with this woman and that I would, uh, if I look back later and thought this sucks, uh, I made a mistake. I wouldn't be thinking idiot. Why did you do that? Because being loving is being godlike. I'm not saying I'm, you know, just in the image of, you know, not, not with any uh, power. Um, and that I could always think, okay, well, I followed love. That's not a bad method, even though it's also not a guarantee that things will work out right. And so I ended up being a dad that I didn't want to do. And he's the most important thing in my life. I'm trying to figure that out. So uh, I uh, tell him I love him often 
sting. Um, he often says it to me. Um, I've often, you know, when he's acted in a way that I didn't like, I said, Joey, that's not really the way people act, you know, loving people act. It's the standard, you know, one of the standards that I try and, you know, I'm more likely to listen. I'm more likely to be patient. That's one of the things I pray for in the morning. Please God help me to be more uh, thoughtful, loving, patient, tolerant, tender, and supportive. And those are all things that guide how I interact with my son. And, you know, he, he turns 13 next week. So I'm in for, uh, some rougher years from what everybody tells me. And I'm sure I can see hints of it already. Um, but we have a foundation of love. And uh, I don't know if that would, have, I don't think that would have been the case earlier. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Yes. Not rougher years, just opportunities to work your program. <laughs> An AFGO, another effing growth opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> and sorry, Michael W., for speaking too fast. Um, it was me. Oh, it's you. It yeah. must have been me. It is you. A, pro- a program, you know, if I might say, not, not so many men as we should, probably should have, but we have two Michaels on the panel to make things interesting. Um, we have a, a question here about how do you sponsor recovering know-it-alls? Patience. Patience. You know, um, I wanted, you know, uh, you know, I refer to my work life where, yeah, you got to, you know, then you got to talk to them. You know, um, I, I expect you to listen to me and then do what I said, because I said it. Uh, and, uh, and now, uh, you know, I just listen and I ask questions. You know, I, I, just like I don't ask my sponsor to tell me uh, what to do, I don't tell my sponsees what to do. <clears throat> I can, you know, I'm, <clears throat> pardon me, very comfortable saying that's what works for me. And I can explain why it works for me. And, uh, you know, I, I tell sponsees or people who are struggling with sponsor, the sponsor they have or whatever, um, you know, if you're really not open to the guidance of your sponsor, the solution is not to not have a sponsor. The solution is to find a different sponsor who you will listen to. And, uh, you know, when I have sponsees, uh, I don't, I don't fire sponsees for not listening to me. Although I do feel frustration and, um, I will get to the point, I have gotten to the point, you know, after a great deal of patience, in my opinion, um, to say, I think you should get another sponsor because I don't think I'm able to help you. I make suggestions and uh, you don't have to follow every one of my suggestions, but if you're not following the suggestions of your sponsor, you got the wrong sponsor. And um, so anyway, that's how I answer that question. Thank you. The next question, what would you say to someone who asks you, how do I find a higher power? It's a really important question. It's a really important question. Um, no, a lot of my answer would be, would depend on, uh, you know, I'd, I'd ask for some information from the person who was asking. <clears throat> um, 
but in you know the vacuum of not having that background about who's asking and from what angle they're coming at, uh, I would tell you that I I see evidence of a design in the world. And I don't mean that God opened up that parking space for me because he likes me extra special. But, you know, the, uh, you know, the planet on either side of us is either too hot or too cold. Ours is just right. You know, and it's very tight tolerances in science and, you know, the, 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 between the atmosphere and the void of space. And it just, you know, everything, you know, the way the web of life, you know, uh, the food chain uh, is so intricate. These to me are evidence that it wasn't just random, that it was established. And so, you know, if there's a design, in my opinion, that's evidence of a designer. And then, you know, we, you know, everyone has an opinion about, well, what kind of designer, first of all, if there is one, but then what kind of designer and all that. But I observe the natural world and I see evidence of a power at work. And if I don't know this power, I used to say, I can't figure it out, so I reject it. I don't understand it, so I reject it. And now uh, I allow, because I'm magnanimous that way, I allow that maybe part of the way the designer designed it is that I'm not supposed to know. And at my not knowing is not evidence that it isn't designed. Um, you know, and why doesn't God do this? Um, wrong question, in my opinion. Uh, if this being exists and if this being has a higher intellect, um, then maybe it understands things that I don't. And I can just accept that. You know, I don't think everything happens for a reason. I don't think it's a deterministic world. But when I act, when I have that reaction to any event, um, I'm better off. So I would, uh, you know, did I answer the question, you know, how would I help a person find a higher power? Um, you know, the big book says this, you know, God either is or, or isn't. And um, I see evidence in the natural world, the, the environment around me, that God is. So then it's, well, what does this God do and how does it work and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't settle anything. But once I get to the point where I think there is one, then I have a different framework to look out on everything. And for me, it grew from there. That's great. Thank you. And we we do need to end the Q&A session now. Thank you so much, Michael. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.